Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Karis Nafti. Karis started working with dogs professionally in 1996. She has a hugely varied background in animal work, puppy training, doggy daycare, obedience, behavioral problems, dog sports, aggressive dogs, and so on. And she's worked with a variety of animal species. After recognizing the need for dog-centered mediation during divorce, Karis became an internationally accredited family mediator. And after 26 years of experience, Karis works online worldwide, offering solutions and guidance for families going through separation and divorce with their animals. She advises and mediates custody arrangements and provides behavioral support for owners with dogs who are showing signs of stress pre- and post-divorce. Welcome. Karis Nafti, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Catherine. So where are you actually located in the world, just for our listeners who think who might guess from your accent that you're not in New York? <laughs> no, I'm not in New York. So I was born in Oregon and I grew up I grew up in Oregon, but I actually live in South Africa of all the interesting places. So I'm calling you now from Cape Town in South Africa. Well, that's a long way away. So it's a really, I was really intrigued by this topic because when my ex-husband and I decided to divorce or I told him I wanted to get divorced, the first thing he told me was, you're taking the dog, <laughs> which was a huge relief to me because I was like, you know, of course I'm taking the dog. But what are some of the common mistakes that people make when they're dealing with their dogs and pets getting divorced? Well, I mean, you're so lucky that your divorce happened that way because it could have <laughs> could have gone in many other directions. So l- lucky for you. So, Catherine, the common mistakes that people make with their dogs, to me, goes in two tracks. The one is that they will weaponize their dog or or use the dog as leverage. And and just for the listener's sake, when I when I speak about dogs in this interview. This also applies to cats and to parrots and to guinea pigs and hedgehogs, you know, whatever whatever pet you have. But the majority of the cases that I do work with are with dogs. So so that tends to be my habit when I talk about, about the work that I do. So the one uh, dangerous common mistake that happens is people will use their dog as a weapon. They will use the dog as leverage. They will use the dog to bargain with. Or they will just simply use the threat of the dog, which didn't happen in your case, of, of asking for custody for the dog, sort of loom over all divorce negotiations. And in that, of course, no one's actually thinking about what's best for the dog, which is really what my job is all about. So that's the one sort of broad generalization, which we can go into in more detail. Then the other common problem that I see in the work that I do is that people will humanize their dogs or they will project their own feelings onto their dogs. 
so, you know, they'll say, the dog doesn't want to see you anymore, for example, which usually isn't the case. Or I will hear language like, my dog is so stressed by what's happening, and that sort of thing. And in that humanizing of the animal or or letting the dog, say, carry their own emotions, then as the custody decision is being looked at, again, the needs of that actual dog are not being seen clearly. And those are some of the big problems that people sometimes need help navigating. Do you think that the problems around the dogs, and I just wanted to let you know just vis-a-vis what you were saying about dogs being a word for pets, I have never written a cat agreement, and I have written many (laughs) dog agreements, meaning that it does seem to be dogs in particular that in my this is a total anecdotal experience. There's no expertise or studies here. But in my anecdotal experience, which is not insignificant, that the dog really does bring up these issues more frequently than cats yeah, or I parrots and, or hedgehogs. Yeah. <laughs> I have done. I have worked with quite with with a, quite a few parrots. And I do also work occasionally with cats, but it is usually a little bit more cut and dry. It's usually not such negotiation. I did have one client who negotiated a shared custody agreement with a cat, which luckily after two months, both parties realized wasn't working. And then in the end, the the ex-wife got sole custody of the cat. But, But yes, I agree with you in my experience as well. The dogs and the sort of behavior that dogs have toward us really brings up such a parental childlike instinct in people. And I think that also so then when when the divorce happens, for many people the dogs are the children emotionally. They they have the same emotional weight that actual human children do. And that's also part of part of the really delicate, tricky waters we have to navigate in these situations. Well, because that was really what I was thinking about is that the way that you're talking about the way people use the dog to really get at the other person does feel very similar to the way people use, not all people, but some people use their children. Yes. You know, or, or I, try I, to, to, you know, to weaponize the children. And it's obviously incredibly problematic when they do that with children. And I think that we don't think as much about dogs, although certainly we are getting to a place where the best interest of the dog is starting to be something that courts consider, but up until very, very recently, and even primarily now, they're just considered to be like possessions. Exactly. And and in a few states, those laws are changing, but very slowly. And so in most states in the United States, and in most countries in the world, dogs are property. So that means if a divorcing couple ends up in front of a judge, if they can't mediate their way through it, then the decision is left to someone else who doesn't even know the animal to make that decision for people about who should get custody. And that's really, really heartbreaking. So that's where mediation and have, and being able to have a dialogue. I mean, sometimes when I, when I work with people, I, I sit them down and I say, listen, if you need to fight, I understand that because for some people that is the process, that, that is how they're going to divorce. But let's not fight about the dog. Let's just move it off the dog. Because when if you've got to love your dog enough not to fight over it which some people can do and and some can't, of course. Right. I mean, you could say the same thing about the children as well. So, you know, lots of times what happens with with children is that, you know, children have pretty much, it's obviously about their best interests and all that, but a, a right to have a relationship with both parents. And having that relationship with both parents is 
the studies show, if it's possible, important to their development as a fully-fledged, healthy, coping, capable, and competent human beings, I mean, or at least the best functioning. So is that a good idea with pets, with dogs that you share custody, you know, share time with the dog, or is that not such a good idea when you're dealing with a dog? So right now, shared custody is becoming very popular. It's almost in some in some circles becoming sort of a default a default thing. And for listeners who aren't familiar with this, it's, it's just as you say that people will arrange for a shared custody situation exactly like children, where maybe the agreement is you know one week the dog is with one party, the next week it's with the other, or people get every other weekend, or, or you know any any sort of agreement. But it's literally like children, where it becomes shared custody. And this is where I find the work that I do really helpful because dogs, in my opinion, are not, I mean, they're not property, even though I know legally they're recognized like that. But in terms of the animal's reality, they're not property, but they're also not children. So when the question of shared custody comes up, what I try to point out to people is that the question you have to ask is not, first of all, shared custody is for the people's best interest, not for the dog's best interest. It's, a, it's an overly creating dogs into children to think that they need to see both people for the rest of their life. The question you have to ask to yourself and about your dog is, do you think this dog can tolerate shared custody? Because from the dog's reality, what you've got for many dogs is a life of very complicated and overly emotional goodbyes and reunions where, you know, if when they leave, especially if the, if the breakup was not a peaceful one, you know, whenever they leave the one party, it's tears and it's very emotional. And then when they pick them up, it's, it's the same sort of thing. And dogs end up, so many dogs that I see end up so stressed out from being kind of forced into this human desire not to say goodbye to them. And this sounds harsh. I know this sounds harsh. And, and, and people listening might just think I'm cold-hearted and I don't care about animals. But I, I care deeply about animals. I'm an animal behaviorist. My whole life has been about animals. <laughs> And what I can tell you from my experience of working with animals for so many years and dogs is that dogs can say goodbye much, much easier than people can. And they can say goodbye peacefully. We tend to sit with the guilt and the, and the longing and, and the feelings about it, but dogs don't. So shared custody, it's often something that the, the human beings want because they're not prepared to say goodbye to the dog. But it's not always easy for every dog. So if people are considering this, they should just pause for a moment and almost try to ask themselves, what would my dog actually want in this situation? Is this going to be a fair kind of setup that we're arranging where the dog comes and goes? And dogs will show stress in a variety of ways if shared custody, for example, is not working for them. Um, I mean, maybe we, we can come back to that a little bit, but that's my answer for shared custody. It, it should not be considered a default, in my opinion. Um, it needs to be carefully considered. You have to look at the breed of the dog, the age of the dog, the the dynamic between the people that are involved, and all sorts of factors to come to a clear decision about whether or not that's the right one. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Karis Nafti about dealing with the dog or the pet during divorce and what's best for the for the dog. And so it sounds like what you're saying in terms of the shared custody 
idea is that thinking about it from the dog perspective, which starts maybe with thinking about the dynamic between the two of you. So if you're going to have a calm handoff, it's like, here you go, hand over the leash, you know, that's fine. See you, you know, see you rover next week. And, you know, that's fine. That would be helpful to the dog. Whereas if it's going to be a big tearful hugs and a lot of stress and anxiety, that's something that you wouldn't want to put on the on the dog is one thing, but also just considering how well they're going to adapt to going back and forth between two different homes, two different routines, two different. I find that one of my dogs is very sensitive to sound, you know, so that every time with our alarm system, a door opens and a chime rings. If she had to deal with that all the time, she'd really be a a mess, (laughs) like that kind of thing. Is that right? Exactly. That's what makes this tricky because every situation is different. Every dog is different and all the relationships are different. So that's a perfect example. So let's say in a hypothetical world, if you were separating from someone with your dog who's sensitive to sound and the place you were going to be living was near a church tower where there was going to be a donging bell all the time, it might be then better that your dog would go with your, you know, your hypothetical ex and making up in this story because it's better for her. And that is how I believe dogs should be considered in in a divorce situation. Given the reality going forward, is this going to suit the dog? Now, we also have to ask, and it's important, I think, for people to consider this, if they are thinking about shared custody, the question you also have to just sit down and ask yourself is, if there are no children, no human children involved, do you want to be connected to your ex for the next however many years handing the dog off? Because sometimes also, in a possibly unconscious way or or more conscious way, asking for shared custody is also a way to stay a little bit connected to the ex, to keep tabs on the ex, not to fully say goodbye to the relationship because there's still a lot of interaction that has to happen and that isn't always done for the healthiest reasons. So that's something that people need to sit down and ask themselves about and not use the dog as as leverage to keep that sort of dynamic going. Well, speaking of human children, how do they factor into the whole pet custody idea? Because sometimes I find that clients will say, all right, well, the dog is going to go with the kids. So if the kids are with dad, the dog's with dad. If the kids are with mom, the dog's with mom. But I've also heard people say, you know, it's it's a huge comfort to me when the kids are not with me, that at least I have the dog. So what do you think about that? This this is a wonderful question. So if you would like to do shared custody and the dog goes with the kids, that often works better than if there are no children involved because the kids become, for the dog, like the steady factor. You know, it's like, okay, we they understand the kids are packing up. They're going to move along with the kids. So if you do want to do it, that is a nice thing. And, and sometimes, especially for younger kids, and depending on the relationship the kids have with the dog, it's a real comfort for them to have that kind of consistency. What you have to ask yourself, of course, is at both parents' house, what is the yard like? Is the dog going to get enough exercise? It might be that at one parent's house, the dog, you know, gets a a big run in the park every day, and at the other ones, they don't have time, in which case the dog might find that quite stressful. Um, One of the big, big factors in quality of life for dogs is not just, you know, do you have a big yard, but if you have a very energetic breed, is the dog going to get enough exercise? Because If that exercise is suddenly out of the dog's life that it needs and it's used to, that's when you're going to see all kinds of behavior problems. You're going to see dogs who chew up the furniture and they dig out of the garden and they start barking. Some dogs become a little bit aggressive almost if their exercise needs are not being met. So that's a really important thing 
to look at in the whole thing. But the truth is with dogs, in terms of, you know, should the dog stay with the one parent as a comfort when the kids are gone, dogs can adjust to kind of whatever routine is happening. So I think it would depend on, you know, does the the ex-father want the dog or doesn't he? But either way, that can work. But kids definitely smooth over the shared custody agreement quite nicely for a dog if you decide to do that. Yeah, I would imagine that the children are a constant companion then. So there's consistency for the dog in the human and also in the just the human interaction, right? Because the kids yeah. are presumably going to be interacting with the dog in both in both parents' home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it can be very lovely for them to have that, and the, and the dogs kind of enjoy the adventure of it as well. But one one of the things that is important for listeners to understand is that let's say if you're getting a divorce and Okay, Bob and Mary are getting a divorce, and Bob is going to keep custody of Rover. If that's a decision, and if that's something that people are going to do, what isn't fair is if Mary kind of randomly decides to come visit Rover to, like, see if Rover is okay. So often if we, when we feel sad about our dog or we just miss them a lot, there's this urge to physically go and see them and touch them and see how they're doing. Of course, really what's going on is we just miss them a lot. It's not so much about the dog. It's more about our need to see them. That is what is probably the most stressful thing for dogs in divorce is sort of random and sporadic visits from someone who used to be very important to them. If that happens, you know, if you show up a month later and you just say, listen, I just had to visit the dog and go out for a big walk or a big tearful hug or whatever it is, then that dog is probably going to sit by the door for several days wondering, wait, what, is she coming back now? What's going on? I thought, you know, I thought she was out of my life and now she's back. That is where you'll get kind of from my experience and my, the work that I do, the most anxious, stressed out animals is random visits from the ex. So custody should either be something that is, uh, like shared custody should be something that's quite consistent and quite predictable and quite regular or it should really be sole custody, one or the other, and that is what is kindest for the animals. Oh, that sounds so hard for the humans, though. How how do people say goodbye to the dog, and what's the best way to do that if they're the, if they're the Mary in the situation, they're the one giving up time with the with the animal? Yeah, it is the hardest thing to say goodbye, and I think the biggest comfort that I can offer to people is to say. Your dog will be happier if you just say a clean goodbye. If you pretend you are moving to Timbuktu and you're not going to see the dog again and you just say goodbye. But drawing it out and kind of coming back every few days for a visit and then every couple of weeks and and, and that sort of thing, it's worse for the dog because the person involved is also going to be emotional. So the dog is going to wonder what's wrong. You know, the story about King Solomon and giving up the baby and, you know, if you love the baby, do you love it enough to let it go? So that is an important idea for people when they get when they if they are going to say goodbye to their dog, the kindest way to do it to the dog is just quick like a band aid say goodbye. Then you have to process your own emotions yourself in another way without the dog helping you do it. I'm Catherine Miller. This is Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM, alternate Wednesdays from five to five thirty and also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and also on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Karis Nafti about 
dealing with pets and particularly dogs and divorce. And Karis, if people are interested in learning more about you, how you work and what you do, how can they do that? The best way for people to reach me is through my website. And my website is whokeepsthedog.com, whokeepsthedog.com. And other than that, I'm on LinkedIn. You can Google me, Karis Nasty, um, and get a hold of me that way. And all the information people need is there. That's great. And I'm sure there's a lot of really useful information on your website. So what if people have more than one dog? Generally, it's not seemed like a good idea to split up the kids. So is it a good idea to split up the dogs or is that not a good idea? So it depends. You can split up the dogs if the dogs are not, if their primary bond isn't with each other. So if you have two dogs who have kind of grown up together and lived together for years and years, it's kinder to keep the dogs together. If you have a huge age difference between the dogs, so let's say you've got a a 10-year-old dog and a 1-year-old dog, for example, in that sort of situation, it is easier to split the dogs up and, and for the dogs to be okay with it. You know, if there are some dogs who, I mean, I've got four dogs, and if my husband and I were to get a divorce, you know, I know there's two of my dogs that are best friend, and the other two don't really care, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, that you know, they enjoy the dogs, but they're not, they're not the best of dog pals. So you can look at things like, for example, it's even important to get a history, obviously, when you, when you make these sort of decisions. So do the dogs sleep near each other? Do they share games with each other? When they exercise and they go for runs in the park, is, is it something they do together? Do they split themselves up? Uh, because some dogs can live, to, you know, they can live with a dog for years, but their primary bond is actually with a person. So if you have two dogs and people are divorcing, there are times when one person takes one dog and one person takes the other, and it's really fine because that's where the dog's primary bond is. So that's what you have to look at and the age, the breed of the dog, and that in, in order to make that decision. If you do split the dogs up, similarly to when you say goodbye as a person, it is generally kinder if the dogs can have, in my experience, a good clean break from each other for at least a few months, and then Sometimes, like if back to Bob and Mary, if Mary goes on vacation and she needs someone to watch the dog, then maybe Bob can watch the dog. And normally with dogs, if they've had a good few months away from each other, they can come back and enjoy each other without creating too much kind of stress or confusion about it because dogs aren't emotional when they see each other like people are. So in that way, you can they can have little visitation sometimes, and it's generally, it's generally fine. They're more easygoing than we are. Because I can imagine, you know, you take your dog to the dog park and they're like, oh, there's my friend, Fido, right? And they romp and play and then you go home and, you know, maybe three days later you see Fido or maybe a month goes by and you don't. And and there isn't, that's not traumatic for the dog that they're at the playground essentially and they see their friend and then they go home. So what you're, I think what you're saying is it's just this 24-7 family arrangement that can be traumatic to then all of a sudden lose that and would have it be kind of on again, off again. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, they can certainly see friends and then, you know, they can have happy reunions. So if they if they are living together full, full time and they're not going to be anymore, then it is confusing if, if the dog really comes and goes. So it's it's better to have at least a little bit of a break for them to find their new routine separate from each other. And then they can often play again at the park and then and then they can say goodbye and it's fine. Yeah. What do you think is the best piece of advice that you have for people going through a divorce dealing with dogs 
or pets of any kind. The best piece of advice I have for people, the one piece of advice I have is that dogs will pick up on your stress more than you know, but they're not necessarily stressed about what you're stressed about. They're just stressed because the house is uneasy. Make sure they're getting enough exercise, make sure their routines stay as consistent as possible, and know that they will also adjust and that they will be fine. So even if your dog does seem a little bit stressed, it's not permanent. They'll get through it as you will too when life comes back to some equilibrium. And do you think that mediation is a better process for dogs than litigation or other ways of resolving divorce in our last few seconds? Absolutely. Yes, always. I mean, it's, of course, there's some people who aren't, aren't sort of up for mediation because things have become too angry between the people, but mediation is the best because then the people who know the animal the best can make the right decision for them. So 100% mediation is a wonderful way to go with pets whenever possible because the alternative is that a judge might have to decide for you, which, is, which can be so kind of disempowering and, and upsetting for people. So I highly, highly recommend that they work through the mediation, try to think of things from the dog's point of view, really what's best for the dog, not necessarily for either of the two people involved. All right. We have to leave it there. Karis Matthew, thank you so much. Thank you.